Hey, Recreators, this is Nick, and you're listening to the Life Recreated Podcast. It's a show that dives into learning, healing, and growing in mind, body, and spirit. And each week, we tackle the difficult conversations so that we can learn how to fully walk in the freedom as a new creation. So if you're ready to learn, let's dive in. Welcome to back to the Life Recreated show. So glad that you're here with me. I am Nick Walters. If you're here for the first time, so glad that you are here checking in with us on this live show. And if you're watching the replay, do me a favor, hit a thumbs up, man. Drop a comment down below. Let me know what you think. Let me know what your thoughts are. But want to jump into today's topic because it's a topic that's very dear to my heart and dear to uh, to, to my life. And, and so we want to talk about tonight, the link between mental health and spiritual abuse and what ends up happening and what some of that impact can be within our lives. If this is something that we're going through and that we're dealing with. So before I even jump into this, I want to make a disclaimer real quick, right up front. Listen, I am not a licensed certified counselor of any kind or anything like that. All I'm going to share with you on this video is basically the things that really helped me when it came to my mental health and dealing with the after effects of spiritual abuse and kind of walking through that process and that that uh, just what that was like. But like I said, this is not any kind of medical advice. If you're in a position, maybe you're watching this and you're probably going through things, difficulties with your mental health, man, I want you, I want to encourage you to seek out a professional, seek out a therapist, somebody that can help you. I know when I walked away and left our environment, I saw a therapist for some time and still in that process right now. So I want to encourage you find someone that you can talk to somebody that can help you walk through this. Okay. So let's jump into today's topic. Why did I decide to pick the impact of our mental health when it comes to spiritual abuse? At the time of this recording, when you're watching this, actually, this is the month of May and May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And honestly, as I think about just even saying that, I feel like every month should be Mental Health Awareness Month, right? Because our mental health is something that impacts and affects pretty much every single area, every single aspect of our life. And it's not until recently when you really look at our culture, when you look at society that we're beginning to open up to talk about mental health, to talk about the impacts that it can have on our lives, and then really just to talk about how to get healthy mentally, right? Because everything that we do, everything that we process through life is through this mind, through this this fat kind of floating around in our head. This is what we process life through. And so a lot of times we need to learn how to take care of that mind so that a mind can take care of us and help us. And so in this episode, I want to really introduce and just open up a discussion about the impact of spiritual abuse and what it has on someone's mental health. When we left that spiritually abusive environment, one of the things that I recognized in doing research and just trying to find some answers was that as we were going through this healing process, as we were were learning how to recover, there seemed to be a lack of emphasis a lot of times on learning how to heal the mind after this experience. A lot of times you may talk to somebody that may be in the church or or may have been connected to the church. And the first thing that they may want to say to you is, all right, 
try and find yourself back into a church and try and work through all those things. And all those things are fair, definitely. But the thing that I was really searching for was why is my mind responding and acting in the way that it is because of this event, right? And so this kind of caused me to really start doing my own searching and my own trying to really find out my own understanding and my own healing of the mind through this whole process. And so in this video, I really want to talk about, I want to talk about the importance of being aware of our mental health and the three things that really helped me through this process. And so here's what I want to dive into first. And this is why I think this is important is because a lot of people, a lot of times, maybe they don't associate something like spiritual abuse with a traumatic experience, right? Whenever you hear this term spiritual abuse, or you hear somebody getting hurt in the church, because it's in that context of the church and in the environment of the church, a lot of times we just default to it being more of a spiritual issue. But the thing that I started realizing in my own life, especially last year, was how much what we experienced and the different scenarios and things that we went through, how much those things really impacted my mind. And as I was doing my research, I ran across this term and it's called religious, a religious trauma syndrome. And what it states is that this is a collection of symptoms that someone experienced as a result of traumatic or an extremely stressful religious experience. So what this is saying in the definition, I think I got it off of WebMD.com. This definition says that religious trauma syndrome can happen to an individual that has experienced this traumatic event or what their mind interprets as a traumatic event. See, that's the thing that we have to remember when we look at spiritual abuse and we look at the whole context of what we're talking about is that every single person is probably going to interpret and look at their experience in a different light. And because of that, we can't treat everyone the same and just lump everybody in a category and say, okay, yeah, you got hurt by the church. We're going to put you in this box because everybody's going to look at it completely different. It's a lot of times it's going to be, it's going to impact us different. We're going to see things completely different, but this definition of religious trauma syndrome helps us to understand that there is a possibility for you to walk away from this type of experience and have to deal with the trauma and the stress that experience caused. Now, if we looked at the Bible, we looked at everything that maybe the Word of God was saying, we'd probably realize that's probably not what God intended. He didn't intend for it to be something that we looked at or something that we go through that would be considered traumatic. And so that's what we're going to dive into. And like I said, we're going to look at these three things that really helped me to get my mind right after spiritual abuse and what what steps that I had to take and that I went through. And hopefully, my hope is that in hearing those things, maybe you'll see something or see maybe an idea or something that maybe can help you if you're in and you find yourself in that same situation. So first, let's jump into this. Why is spiritual abuse so traumatic? This is what I think is a question that you got to start with when you're talking about mental health and you're talking about spiritual abuse and how they're connected. So why is spiritual abuse traumatic? So I was doing some research on this and I ran across a website and it's called www.spiritualabuseresources.com. And I, I looked this up and I, and I was like, okay, they probably gave 
probably one of the clearest definitions and understandings that I've encountered on why a lot of times spiritual abuse can be traumatic. And this is what they said on their website. It says this, when leaders make requests, they speak from the pulpit about what their deity requires. This is God, Buddha, Allah, whoever, and also chastise, rebuke, and abuse members. Good and faithful members of the religious community comply and acquiesce to their leader's requests and demands as if their deity has made the demand. Now, before I keep going on, this is something I've talked about before. A lot of times when we're in a spiritually abusive environment, we tend to put that leader or that person in charge on this type of pedestal. And we almost equal them to whatever the deity is in that group that we're a part of. If it's God, we may equate them to God. We may not say this out loud, but our behaviors, the way we respond, the way that we interact with this individual makes it seem that we're putting this person really on the same level. And this is what it's saying here, that when we have members that get in this, we confuse the fact that it's not God that's making this request a lot of times, or it's not God that can be chastising or rebuking or abusing us, but we have to learn that there's a separation here. And then it goes on to say this, is that thus the abused, the person that is abused is seen not only at the hands of a mere mortal, so this would be the man or woman that's in charge, but also at the hands of their God and thus somehow deserved. The resulting trauma is twofold for the client. A, the normal mental health repercussions because of the trauma, and B, the guilt and shame associated with believing they are responsible for the abuse. So here's the impact that we have, right? Number one, obviously, the trauma that happened, right? The experience of trauma that happened. And then number two, a lot of times, and I've talked about this before, the shame and the guilt that a lot of us end up facing or dealing with when we walk out of these situations is the cause of a lot of this turmoil and this stress. But we, we got to realize and understand that it's happening on a mental level. It's happening within our minds. And so what I learned and I realized over these last few years is that over time when we don't address these things and we don't learn how to really manage and handle some of the repercussions of these traumatic events and these experiences that we had, then we find ourselves really struggling mentally. And that's where I found myself last year, falling into depression last year, dealing with anxiety on higher than normal levels. Everything just, just, just the floodgates came out last year, in, in my opinion, in my own mind. And I realized, wow, this is really important in understanding how this experience really impacted me mentally. And this got me on a quest to say, okay, we know that there's a spiritual aspect of this, right? When we're talking about church or whatever the case may be. But I started to also think we also have a mental aspect of this because not only do we have to heal spiritually from that wound, but then we got to learn how to heal mentally and learn how to manage those day-to-day -day anxieties, those day-to-day -day fears that come up, those day-to-day guilt and shame and all. We have to learn how to manage a lot of those different things. And if we're not paying attention to it, if we're not cognizant of the fact that we are struggling with these different mental aspects in our lives, a lot of times when we come out of this is probably one of the reasons why it's so hard a lot of times for us to heal and to recover from these type of situations, because there's the mind aspect a lot of time that's missing. With all that being said, 
here's my thing. These were three simple things that I began to start doing within my life. And I started to make these practices within my life. And that I feel is one of the keys, right? Whenever we're talking about our mental health, whenever we're talking about learning how to rebuild that or learning how to heal those certain aspects in our lives, we have to realize that this is something that has to become something that is a habit for us. It's something that our brain has. Our brain is like a, is almost like a muscle. It has to be worked. It has to be stretched. It has to be challenged on a repetitive kind of basis in order for us to start to change how we view the situation that we walked out of. That's where I was at last year. And these are the things that I started to learn. Hopefully, like I said, they probably help you out. And they may help make this process a little bit easier as far as just moving forward and just finding that healing. So the first thing was I started learning how to practice mindfulness and meditation. Now, out of the group that we came out of, meditation was one of those things where it's like, ah, don't meditate because it's for Eastern culture and all these different things. But what I was more looking for was I was more looking for a way when it came to mindfulness and meditation, I was more looking for a way where I would be able to learn how to like manage and handle the thoughts that were popping up in my mind. I remember in like the first season of being out of this environment and walking out of this environment, you're just trying to get your footing. You're just trying to figure out like what happened? How did you get there? Like, how would you let somebody do this to you? You're just trying to figure out all those different things. One of the things that I I noticed that started happening a lot within my own life was that I began to start what's called ruminating. I started ruminating about a lot of different things. I would go over different scenarios in my mind. I would think over certain situations over and over again. And the thing that I learned last year and the thing that I'm even learning more even now is that when I get caught in those situations where I'm ruminating and just constantly thinking about the same thing over and over again, what it does is it ends up robbing me of the present moment. So there would be a lot of times where I'm with my family, we're doing things, we're supposed to be having a good time, we're supposed to be enjoying ourselves. But I would get stuck within my own head. I'm stuck within my own mind because of maybe a thought that came up or maybe something triggered me, or maybe I may have drove past the church that we were part of and something triggered in my mind. And now here I am for half the day, just going over and over in my mind, all these different events. And then before you know it, half the day is gone, right? Half the moment, half the opportunity that you had with family or friends or loved ones is gone because you're, I'm st- I was stuck in my head. So what mindfulness helped me do was it wasn't in a sense of saying, okay, if I sit down here and I meditate, if I sit down here and I think about these different things that these thoughts are going to go away, it wasn't about getting rid of the thoughts, but it was more about just learning how to manage the thoughts, right? Giving them their space. They're going to come up. Those things, those memories, those feelings, those emotions, they're going to come up. But when I started to learn how to meditate, learn how to be mindful of it, I started to be aware of when it was happening and saying, okay, I see that I'm getting caught within this like certain track. I'm getting caught within this certain train of thought. Let me relax and see what was it that triggered me? What was it? that had me in this kind of moment. And then giving that thought, giving those anxious thoughts, giving those thoughts of fear, whatever they may have been, giving those thoughts space just to be there, observing them, and then just being able to move on. And meditation and mindfulness helped me out 
man, tremendously. It helped me to just learn how to start calming my mind. It helped me to deal with anxiety issues. It helped me to deal with fears. It helped me to deal with, like I said, these ruminations. It wasn't a mad, it's not, I'm not saying that it's like a magic pill, right? I'm not saying that if you left a spiritual abuse or left that type of environment that you start meditating and everything is going to be healed. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that you begin to start learning how to make space for those thoughts and really just place those thoughts where they're really supposed to be. Every thought that pops into our mind isn't a thought that we have to take action on. It's not a thought that we have to latch on to and be so dedicated and just attached to that thought. It's not that way. And that mindfulness really can help just to begin to slow down that process and begin to start learning out how to sort through these thoughts when they do come up. And really, that helps us to learn how to heal, right? Because then we can be in the present moment. Then we can be aware of when we're triggered by certain things or what we can be aware of when certain things uh, set us off. And we can learn how to manage them and learn how to respond rather than always reacting to the thoughts. And so this was really helpful for me. There was an app that I use. I've been using this app for years now. It's the Headspace app. I'll put a link down in the description below. Many of us know about Headspace. It's an app that you pull up, you got it on your cell phone. Every morning I would sit down 15, 20 minutes, sit down in a quiet space and just really learn how to just be okay with my thoughts, be okay with what I was feeling and all my different emotions. And so mindfulness and practicing that was one of the first steps that really, truly helped me. And like I said, I'm going to put that link down in the description below for that app that I use. The second thing that that really helped me out with my own mental health and this healing process was something that I thought that I would have never would have been like got into at all. Something that I always considered was Ah, that's too like mushy and emotional for me to be dealing with and practicing as a habit. And, uh, and that's actually journaling. So I started to journal. I started to write. Maybe you've seen on a show before where I like flash my journal or something that I wrote or something that I've just recorded in life. And so what that helped me do when it came to my mental health and when it came to learning how to heal through this process after spiritual abuses, journaling really helped me to get those thoughts and get how I was feeling and seeing it in a concrete way. Because one of the struggles that I really had was there were so many emotions, so many things. Think about it. You walk away from a situation like this. And if you have, there's anger, there's shame, there's fear, there's just all these different emotions that run through your head because it's a traumatic event. And you're going through all these different emotions. And for me, the struggle that I had was nine times out of 10, a lot of that stuff was just in my mind. And it was just, it was almost like a dryer. You ever seen like a front load dryer when you put the clothes in there and it's just going around and around and around. And so that's what it would feel like. A lot of times with these thoughts and these feelings, we're like, man, I have these constant just bombarding of thoughts and all these different things. And things didn't really start to begin to change until I started writing those things down.
I started writing them down. I started sitting down and saying, okay, this is how I feel, or this is an event that happened and this is how I responded. Or maybe he said this to me and this is what triggered me and this is how I responded. And now as I begin to start journaling, I begin to start writing these things down. It began to start helping me to understand like, okay, where my thoughts were at. It began to start helping me to recognize patterns within my own behavior, within my own thoughts, within my own emotions. That journaling really helped mentally to be able to take what was going on in here and it just floating around and putting it somewhere concrete where I could stop and I could read it and I could look at it and I could say, okay, hey, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm really going through. Or this is how this day went. And for me, what it started to do, it helped me to start to begin to reflect on the situation and reflect on what the experience was like. And it also helped me to look at two different things where I would be able to, it really helped me to start to see that there is obviously a bad side to this or that experience, but then it started to help me to see the good things that came out of it. It started to help me to appreciate the good things that came out of it. Because a lot of times, unless I was able to take those thoughts and put them down on paper, they would just be floating around and I would never realize or really take the time to recognize the, the things that I needed to recognize in order to heal mentally. There's also two, this is another, I'm going to put this down in a link below. This is a, another journal that I had picked up. This was called the worry for nothing journal. And um, this journal really helped me out a lot. It was, it was in the beginning, I started to try and use it and started to try and understand how to use it when what it's based on is a CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And what that does is it helps you to sit down and take the thoughts that you may be dealing with and the thoughts that you may be going through and learning how to reframe those thoughts in a way that are more beneficial to you mentally and healthily rather than allowing those thoughts to kind of dictate and get you through certain situations. Just to give you an example, there's a couple different sections in there where you'll write out what the date is, you write out what the time is. You'll write out where you're at, what location you're at. And then you'll sit down and you'll write what's going on. So it says, hey, what's going on? How are you feeling about this? And you write those things out. I was never really taught to understand how and understand and process how I was feeling or how different things made me feel and different emotions made me feel. So this was really a challenge to sit down and say, okay, how am I thinking or how am I feeling? And then it asks you again. So now what are you thinking? After you wrote down how you feel, what are you thinking now? And then it goes into, all right, what evidence supports that thought, that last thought that you had? And then it asks you what evidence contradicts that thought. And then it tells you, okay, well, let's write down an alternative thought, right? So we know we started maybe with this negative thought, maybe fear, shame, whatever the case may be. Now we're looking at it, we're examining it, looking at how it makes us feel. We're looking at the evidence that kind of supports it. And what was interesting is a lot of times, if it's a negative thought, there's really not a lot of evidence because the negativity many times is coming from in here. It's coming from my mind. So when you write down that alternative thought, you end up reframing how you were thinking. And what's amazing about this is the last question that asks is, how do you feel now? And 
a majority of the time actually going through this journal and kind of processing those thoughts and feelings in real time or even maybe later on down the road, those it really helped me to just start to understand how I was thinking, how I was feeling, where I was at. Certain places I realized would cause, you know, me to be triggered and cause me to think a certain way and uh, respond a certain way. And so I began to start basically just learning how to study yourself, studying my own mind, studying how my mind thinks, studying how my mind is processing this event and what we went through and all these different triggers and all these different things that definitely pop up. And so this journal right here, the Worry for Nothing journal, and like I said, I'm going to put a link down in the description below. It really helped me to learn how to start reframing things, even to the point where thoughts may have come up that were self-defeating or not beneficial to me. And it helped me in real time to just be able to grab a hold of that thought, kind of run through that process of how I'm feeling, why I'm feeling like that, and then learning how to reframe it and change it to something that would be more beneficial. And so I think coming out of spiritual abuse, this is something we're going to have to deal with. I look back on my own life and the environment that we came out of. My whole entire life was wrapped around this church. My friends, my social group, my pay, everything was wrapped around this group. And so when you leave and you walk away from that, it feels like somebody ripped the whole bottom from underneath you. And so you have to learn how to reframe those thoughts and journaling, writing those thoughts down. They can definitely be helpful and beneficial in helping you through your healing process. So let's look at the last one. This one's a little bit different. Like I said, even in starting this, I know a lot of people are saying, okay, yeah, we're talking about spiritual abuse. We should be talking about spiritual things. But I realize that we're looking at this type of traumatic event. We have to look at it from a holistic standpoint. We got to look at the mind, body, and the soul. And so the last thing really helped me out was I had to learn how to start getting active. And what I mean by that is I had to start making exercise, moving my body, being in like just challenging myself in those different ways. I had to make that something that was a consistent priority in my life, consistent, excuse me, priority in my life was getting active. I don't care what age you're at right now. You can walk. That's what I started doing. I just started walking everywhere. I was always big into lifting weights and dieting and all those different things. But I was just at the point where I was like, man, I don't want to get too in depth into that. So let me just walk. I was walking around, walking everywhere, walking down the block. And I started just moving my body on a daily basis. And you know what it helped me start doing was that a lot of times I would find myself faced with a lot of nervous thoughts, a lot of anxious thoughts, a lot of thoughts of fear, a lot of thoughts of shame and wondering if I did the right thing and making this move and everything like that. But one of the things that I started to realize was that when I started getting active, I started moving my body. I started just trying to work out, trying to challenge myself, help me to just calm my my body down. When you look at, if you look at our different nervous systems. We have the sympathetic and we have the parasympathetic. From my understanding, the sympathetic is when we get into that fight or flight where we're all where we're tense and we're ready to we're ready to go, we're ready to fight. We're either ready to fight or we're ready to run. 
and fear, anxiety, all those different thoughts can put us in that fight or flight system and keep us there. And sometimes our nervous systems get stuck in that, that those spots. So where it's hard for us to calm down, we may be sitting down on the couch looking calm, but internally it's like chaos. And so what I began to start learning and recognizing was that when I started exercising, I started getting active it after the workout, right? It would put me in that parasympathetic, which is the rest and the digest kind of spot where our body needs to be in. That's that spot where we re, we're rebuilding, we're recovering, where we're calm, where things are just having to wind down just so that we can get ready to get ramped back up if we need to. And so getting active really helped me out. It helped me to clear my thoughts a lot. It helped me to feel better about myself, about my image. One of the things that we face and we struggle with when we walk out of spiritual abuse is this constant bombardment on our self-image and how we look and how we, not really how we look, but you know who we are as people. One of the things that you got to look at and you have to always address when we're dealing with somebody that is recovering from spiritual abuse is this identity and this self-worth that's been pretty much broken down and learning how to build that back. It takes time and getting active is something that can definitely help. And so I always encourage folks, look, get out there, man, get active, start walking, start running, start doing something that's going to help you to just really be able to Something that's just going to help you to be able to just get your body moving so that you can release some of this energy, release some of that, the anxiousness, whatever the case may be. And that's what I found that was extremely helpful for me during this time. And so those were the three things that really just helped me to get my mind. This is the beginning of a series. I'm going to be talking about more mental health issues and spiritual abuse. On the next few shows, I'm going to be talking about how it's linked to PTSD, how it's linked to anxiety, how it's linked to depression. And for me, I'm speaking from personal experience and the things that I experienced and the things that I went through out of this circumstance and how it impacted me. And if you're here and you're here for the first time, you made it to the end. Look, do me a favor, like, subscribe, hit that bell notification so that when we do those other talks about our mental health and how it impacts us, you'll be definitely notified. And then do me a favor down below, drop a comment down below, drop a comment on your thoughts on mental health and the impact that it has on your spiritual abuse or the impact that spiritual abuse can have on our mental health. Maybe if you've gone through this and you've experienced this, I want to know what were some of the strategies that you use that, that helped you with your mental health going through this? Maybe they don't maybe line up 100% with mine, but I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear any kind of feedback that you have on things that definitely helped you. Because on this channel, like I mentioned in the beginning, we're all about learning. We're all about healing. We're all about growing after spiritual abuse. And part of this process is learning how to get our minds back. It's learning how to get our minds back. Once we can start getting the mind back, then we can start working on the spirit. Then we can start working on all those different things. But until I get what's going on in here correct and my perspective correct and my emotions correct, not really, I don't want to say correct because that's like saying, oh, you should do this. But when I begin to start really working on how to heal myself mentally, 
it can help to really start healing all these different other areas of our lives. And so that's what I want to encourage you with. Look, we're here, man. Do me a favor, drop a comment down below. You got any questions? Oh, that's one thing. I'm going to put a link down in the description. description. I just signed up for this thing called SpeakPipe. If you got a question or maybe like a comment or something that you would like to share, I can air it here on the show. So definitely down in the link description down below, I have a link to that where you can drop voicemail or drop a question down below and we can tackle those uh, those areas and those questions together. But until next time, this has been Nick, Life Recreated Show. Listen, keep learning, keep healing, and keep growing.